0: And a happy new year to everyone from SAP Game Changers Radio. Okay, let's kick this off in style. Today's buzz, social media IQ. What? Does your company have one? I know you do, but the question today is, do you know your company's IQ score? Well, if you haven't checked it recently or you have and it's so badly low, OMG, you got to do something now. Yes, even this very second day of 2013, Why? I have good reason, because in the time it takes for me to tell you this, zettabytes of fresh social media intelligence are whooshing by. You know they're all around you right now as you're listening to my voice. But if you're not listening, not capturing, not analyzing, and not taking action on this potentially rich business data, guess what, kids? You could be missing the boat all year long and even farther. So what should you, or we'd like to call your social media practitioner team, be focusing on in 2013? I have gathered three experts with me today, and they're going to talk about how you can attain a Mensa-level social media IQ. Guess what? Way back when, I was a member of Mensa. I guess that means I still am. I'm going to introduce you in a few minutes to Amber Mack. She says, if content is king, then conversion is queen. That's a quote from John Munsell, CEO and co-founder of Bazooka, B-I-Z-Z-U-K-A. We'll ask her all about that. Arthur Bailey from Microsoft, says you cannot control what people say online about your company, but you can manage and track the volumes of conversation. And we have volumes to talk about with Arthur Bailey. Skulk Fillion, I'm learning to pronounce his last name even though I've known him for two years. Skulk says, if everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough. And that's a quote from the famous world champion racing driver, Mario Andretti. Great, great quote, Skulk. So, Pour a cup of Joe, Earl, OJ, or if you have any leftover, Dom Perignon, if you had that kind of a New Year's, good for you. And join me at the Game Changers table for Smart Business Talk as we kick off a positively game-changing New Year. We're talking about the increasingly mission-critical role that social media plays in your company's survival. Yes, I said the word survival. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest today. Amber Mack is an entrepreneur, TV host, speaker, and best-selling author. That's a big business card, Amber. She co-hosts the CTV BNN TV show App Central. She airs in Canada, Australia, and South Korea. She's a regular contributor on CTV News Channel. She writes every week for Fast Company on social business, digital productivity, and how to work smarter. She even wrote a book called Power Friending, and the Miami Herald calls Amber Mac a virtual Swiss Army knife of networking. I've never had a Swiss Army knife live on the show. Welcome, Amber. How are you? Delighted to have you. Can't wait to hear your your great points about social media. I know you're a real guru. We're also joined by Arthur Bailey. Arthur leads the public relations and analyst relations program of Microsoft Corporation's worldwide small and mid-market solutions and partner group, which includes Microsoft's worldwide partner organization. With a strong emphasis on Microsoft's channel recruitment and SMB sales strategies, Arthur manages analyst and press engagements that focus on Microsoft's core technologies As well as channel and SMB program strength and challenges. It's another big business card. Welcome, Arthur Bailey, and happy new year. How are you today?
3: Happy New Year, Bonnie. I'm very glad to be here. Thank you.
0: What a voice for radio. I don't know. I feel competition already. And Skulk Villen is a transplanted South African now living in Germany. He's been in the IT industry for 22 years. What Skulk? 22 years? You don't look it. With roles ranging from tech support, pre-sale, sales, marketing, and communications to general management. Currently he works for SAP's cloud business unit. And guess what? He's responsible for external social media. That's why he's here today. That role combines Skulk's love for technology with his love of socializing. What keeps Skulk up at night? It's the challenge of using social media for business development while staying true to the principle of community. Welcome, Skulk, and how are you this new year?
4: Uh, I'm very well, thank you, and I'm so glad that I invested a couple of years ago into that oil of a delay stock and bought a couple of vats full. Because
0: that definitely helps to keep the twenty two years a <laughs> Okay. So let's go back into the monologue and let's find out what my three guests meant by their quotes. Amber Mack, if content is king, then conversion is queen, quoting John Munsell from Bazooka. Talk to
1: me, Amber. What do you mean? What did he mean? What do you think? Well, I think over the past few years, people have put out so much emphasis on creating great content. And while that is really important in the social media space, as we all know, we also have to think about converting those people who are talking to you via social media platforms into customers and getting them to buy your products or services or at least be some type of brand ambassador. So I think the focus has to be for 2013 about converting some of these people who are your fans into real customers, people who will go out there, will buy your products and services and will be loyal to you. So we figured out how to create great content over the past few years. We focused on that. Mm -hmm. We focused on what platforms we really need to be on. But now, again, we have to think about conversion. Amber, that sounds like a Herculean
0: task to me. I know we work on that all the time. And the question is, do you push? Do you pull? How hard do you suggest people do something about being a fan and actually put the, put the credit card to the bottom line or however they're going to buy your product? How
1: hard do you, do you want people to push in the quest for this conversion, Amber? Well, I don't think you need to be too pushy. We all know that that does not work so well in the social media space, and that can, in fact, backfire on you many times. But Mm -hmm. I think what needs to happen with most companies is that they need to be uh, more precise about how they're measuring their engagement online. So they need to make sure that they're really following through with all of their analytics. They're seeing what customers are doing on these social media platforms and really push in the sense of trying to capture those customers. And sometimes this means that you can't do anything in the digital space. It means actually going back to your company and producing better products and services because we all know it's difficult if you don't have those good products and services to be able to sell them first. So I think gathering information and then thinking about that conversion and uh, gaining those customers for as many years as possible is really critical.
0: Very interesting, and I I hear you saying underlying your message is the L word, listening. You have to listen to what people are saying and go back and do something about it. Great points, Amber. We'll get to you in the roundtable in a few minutes. Let's turn to Arthur Bailey, and Arthur says, you can't control what people say online about your company, but you can manage and track the volumes of conversation that goes, dovetails perfectly with what Amber was saying. Arthur, talk to me. What's your point of view on this?
3: Well I think one of the things that you know you need to address when you're thinking about social media as a corporation and planning is it's not just about what you have to say but it's it's a great deal about what's saying about you and you know depending on your targets what can be what's being said about you maybe an occasional whisper or A constant opera of commentary, you know, depending on the size of your company. So it's it's very important that you learn to listen for those conversations. You utilize tools to listen, and that you monitor and therefore educate yourself. That so that you can undertake your your traditional marketing and PR plans. In a better way and knowing what the conversations are taking place out there in the marketplace. And if you get knocked um, for, you know, customer service issues or product issues, you know how to respond based on who's talking about you more frequently and what their influence is among the audience that you're targeting for your brand perception.
0: Arthur, it sounds to me like that's a big job. How many people does it take? Let's talk at the enterprise level and and later in the conversation we'll bring it down to the startup level. How many people should be in that department, that unit, that group, that team that are watching and deciding what do we do about it? What do we say? Do we bring it internally and do something about, as Amber said, increasing our our product mix or making our products better, improving our service or... uh, how does that whole process work for you? Just give me a quick top down yeah. of of what do you do about
1: it?
3: Certainly. I don't think necessarily you need to hire a big social media command center that that some some organizations say you should. I think it's a matter of working across the various organizations whether it's your market research team, your PR team or your, you know, your general Marketing team and basically creating a communications group that you can work together and sort of get, you know, different group, different people in those group t- tasks in terms of listening and analyzing and then coming up with a plan in terms of how do you implement your social media plan after you've listened to what conversations are being said about your brand.
0: Arthur, timing is everything, and we'll get into that. That's one of the points Amber conveyed to me in her notes before the show. Timing is everything. How much time do you typically have before you respond? Are we talking about mini, mini seconds or milliseconds or less, or how, how fast do you need to respond before the trail gets stale and you look unresponsive and uncaring?
3: I think if, you, if you're dealing with a, a product issue or a product complaint, the response time has to be in real time. But I think in my particular case, I'm dealing with market perception from, a, say, our, our partners, and the response time generally tends to be within that week um, that you're responding back because you're, okay. you're talking out on those social media platforms that the partners are talking on, which include your
0: own. Very, very interesting. Good good point. I'm looking for some timing in here. And let's turn to Skulk Fillion. Skulk, my compadre from SAP. Finally, we get a chance to do radio together, and I'm thrilled to have you on the show today. And you quoted Mario Andretti, the world champion race driver, and he said, if everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough. What did he mean, and what do you think, Skulk? Buddy, I think it's...
4: My, my experience in two years of being very close to social media now is that um, you know, we, we come from a company where we plan ahead and we have strategies and we have plans to implement those strategies. And we have plans for the plans for the strategies. And it's important to do so, but you have to be prepared to throw all of it out <laughs> through the window because there are constantly new new channels new um new solutions that you have to market there are new players and you have to be able to constantly change and respond to that change otherwise you you're going to be falling by the wayside and it's as soon as you start to think that everything is under control so you've got your perfect little plan and everything is going mm-hmm. under control then it means that you've been missing some of the warning signs around on the peripheral that things are not going well, or you're losing out on opportunities. And I think very often in the last couple of years, it's more about lost opportunities rather than, um, than things going wrong if you stick too close to your plans. So you have to be very flexible.
0: Really, really good point, Skulk. And I want to go back to a question I asked Arthur Bailey just a moment ago. We have just about two minutes left in this first segment. Skulk, how big a team are you working with at SAP? We're talking about a big company here. You know that, and I know that, and everybody does. How many people are are watching that radar screen, seeing what's above the radar and what's trying to find out what's going under the radar so that we don't miss it? How big is the social media organization? (laughs) Well, so...
4: The SAP social media organization itself is quite big, but to pick up on Arthur's point, um, having an integrated comms team, we we are spread out between the various solution areas because that is where the knowledge and the relationships lie. So I can talk to the SAP Cloud unit, which is one of five pillars of SAP's strategy, and we are two people. But we work very, very closely with the rest of our marketing organisation, with our um, product teams. But we also work cross with the, into the other um, uh, focus areas, working closely with them, and then working closely with the corporate teams who give more direction and strategy. Um, so it's a it's a much bigger group in the background. But when it comes mm-hmm. to our business unit, we're only two people.
0: Very interesting. Is, I'm going to ask a question that people might throw some darts at me, but is it a young person's game or is it a game for somebody who's really vigilant, really embracing the idea that you have to have energy and vision and just be very, very watchful and sense what people are really saying about your company? What do you think, Skulk?
4: Um, I I don't think that age per se has anything to do with it. I think it is it – is, um, The ability to be social and to pick up on social cues, if you can walk Mm -hmm. into a um, cocktail party and work that room, then it doesn't matter how old you are, and it is exactly the same on social.
0: (laughs) So it's about having that affinity. (laughs) talk about this cocktail party we just got done with New Year's about two days ago, so that's very good timing, and you know what? You've taken me right up to my first break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham here on episode number 65, Can You Believe It? on SAP Game Changers Radio. We call ourselves Coffee Break with Game Changers. I'm speaking with three hot experts in the field of social media. Let's get your company to the IQ level where you can be a Mensa member, too, in social media. Amber Mack, Arthur Bailey, Skulk phil yen we'll be right back and find out what's in their cup as they kick off the new year with me don't even think of touching that app brad out
2: when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network SAP Systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers. Presented by SAP. You can send an email to Bonnie.com dot at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag s-a-p-r-a-d-i-o now let's get back to coffee break with game changers
0: and true to our name i want to find out what's in my guest coffee cup today although it could be a champagne flute i'm not
1: sure until we get there amber mac what's in your cup today my dear well, today I am drinking a Nespresso latte. So I was lucky enough for the holidays to get one of those great little Nespresso machines that allow you to make your own lattes, which is very helpful for my wallet because it means I'm not always trekking out to Starbucks and uh, spending $5 on a latte. And uh, the interesting thing about uh, this particular latte and the machine, it's a great social media story. I actually got an email from someone at Nespresso who said that they were going to send a Nespresso, Nespresso machine to anybody I like. I decided I would send one wrapped to my mom for For Christmas. It was just going to be a nice surprise. And then there was another surprise in their social media marketing campaign. They also uh, simultaneously sent one to my home as well. So I think it really is a lesson for all of us in social media is that uh, sometimes surprises are pretty nice for your customers and clients. All I can say is, wow, my mouth just dropped open. That's some story. That's
0: that's everything we hope and dream for. The companies will be paying attention, doing the right thing, having a great product, know who their market is, their prospects, their customers, how to keep people happy, do it at the right time. Holidays are a great time to give gifts. We all know that, although we love gifts all year round. Thank you, Amber. That was great. Let's see if Arthur Bailey can top that. What's in your cup today, Arthur?
3: Well, to be honest, I'm on my second pack of Alka-Seltzer after the uh (laughs) – New Year, as well as the fiscal cliff, <laughs> but um, normally I have a, I'm, I'm drinking a, one of these uh, Tully's Intense Dark Mocha, which now I hear Patrick Dempsey from the Gray's Anatomy might be buying, so you now it'll, it'll be a celebrity coffee going on, Nick, going on Nick this time next week. <laughs>
0: Oh I love it. Uh, speaking of the fiscal cliff I think I overdosed on CNN the past couple of days. It was like can we please change the channel? No, I don't want to. That was me saying no I don't want to. Yes, it was it was compelling but a little bit over a little bit overdosing I think. I I think we're glad we got there I'm not sure. And let's not get into politics. Skulk, you are in Switzerland today and Skulk what's in your cup?
4: Um well it's early evening so not a lot of caffeine, but um, some lovely lily-of-the-valley green tea from my favorite tea company in Paris, Mariage Fraise. Um, yeah.
0: Very nice, and we have a tweet, of course, from Malcolm, my co-producer. Malcolm Kimberlin at SAP says, Back home today from Portland, the land of great coffees, had the best macchiato ever at Waffle Window, and he's tweeting to Waffle Window, so it's at Waffle Window. Very nice to know. That's a new one. He's usually a fan of somebody else, Equator. Okay, let's kick off our conversation now. I'm going to ask Amber, our sole woman on the panel today. Uh, Amber, I'm going to ask you to tell me a great story, you know, there's a song putting on the ritz and you have a ritz story about social media so let's go right to the top of the food chain and talk about why how should a big company like the ritz ritz carlton even care about social media does it matter to them amber tell me your story
1: it sure does. You know, it's really interesting. I'm currently down in South Florida for the holidays, and one of my favorite places to go for brunch is the Ritz in Manalapan. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. And uh, just a couple of days ago, I was speaking with two friends of mine. So these are friends who live in, in different cities, and we were all gathering together in South Florida, and we all had these great stories about the Ritz Carlton on Twitter. Uh, one in particular from my friend Johnny Jett, who's a, a travel expert. He had a friend who is a travel blogger. And what this travel blogger did, he landed at Miami Airport, And he sent out a tweet, like many of us would, and said, hey, I just landed in Miami. Where should I stay? Literally Mm -hmm. within minutes, the Ritz Carlton had written him back knowing that he was a high-profile travel blogger and said, you know what, we're sending a car. Stay right where you are. And it took him to the Ritz. And uh, obviously, this ended up being a great story that this particular travel blogger shared with other people, including my friend Johnny. And I don't think it gets better than that.
0: Wow, that is one, and I'm, I'm going to bring in a talking point here. I'm going to throw it open to the panel just briefly before we get to something Arthur wants to talk about. Uh, Craig Downing, who helped us put together this wonderful panel today, Craig asked me the question to ask all of you, where is the line between proper and creepy when it comes to enterprise response to social media? So let's turn the tables on that wonderfully responsive, wonderfully fast, wonderfully caring and timely response from the Ritz-Carlton, Amber Arthur Skulk, and what do you think? Was that proper? Was the timing good? Was it creepy that they were watching so closely that they were almost on this traveler's shoulder saying, oops, he needs a place to stay. Let's get him over to our place. Send a limo. Fast! Jeebs, get the car. So, <laughs> so uh, what do you think? Amber, was that, I know it sounds like a great story, but are we bordering on, mm, are we bordering on Big Brother or Big, Big Ritz or are we, are we in the proper business frame of mind so that it
1: comes across as elegant rather than whoops? What do you think? I think it definitely comes across as elegant. I mean, obviously, um, they knew who their target audience is, and they knew that this travel blogger probably wouldn't think that this was uh, a, something that was invading his privacy. Now, if they had done the same thing, maybe with a mom and her kids, it would have seemed a little bit creepier. But I think what they did in showing in, in what they um, did when they sent this message out on Twitter was really say that, hey, we know you're an important customer to us or a potential customer, and um, this was a way that they could connect with someone who was okay with being in the public space. Good, good. And, Arthur, what do you and, think? Go ahead. Yeah,
3: mm-hmm. My response would be the, it's the it's the venue of the communication. Had he placed it, say, on his Twi- on his Facebook page and he responded, creepy. Had he placed it in Twitter, <laughs> which I think is much more open, perfectly fine.
1: Agreed. Yeah.
0: Very interesting. Skulk, what do you think? Creepy or proper or elegant?
4: Um, I think proper because he no, – no, it's proper. No, knowing who he is and he's putting himself out there as an expert – then it's to be expected that it would be followed by um, by an organization like the Ritz. And um, as Arthur said, if this was on Facebook, that would have been way creepy.
0: That's You know what? Great points all. Thanks for allowing me to get you to punt on this one. Arthur Bailey, I want to talk about a, a point you make. We're talking about the ritz and We're talking about B2C. That's business to consumer, although they do have business customers. We know probably very high-end corporate clients. But let's talk about the B2B, business to business, how B2B companies still need a social media strategy in order to track reputations, especially in a crisis. Do you have any examples of a B2B that was in a crisis that use social media to recant or regroup or just rescue themselves. What do you think, Arthur? Well, I
3: I wouldn't necessarily call it a crisis, but I've I've talked to, you know, there's quite a few large companies here in in the Seattle area, and I've talked to one is in the airline business, and they were thinking, you know, social media is irrelevant to us because Mm -hmm. we know our customers, and we sell airplanes, and, you know, they're only buying but so many per year, so why should we do social media? But one of the things that they missed out on was that, you know, there are people that work in the airline business, whether it's the, the booking agents or the flight attendants and such, and how those planes are outfitted and how those, you know, What what design is used inside those planes those people have influence so the pilots as well um, and those are some of their major suppliers so not being involved in social media and what's being said by influencers not necessarily buyers Um, Mm was which is very critical for them and I think that, you know, they're moving towards having a social media strategy. And I think, you know, one of the things that I I talked about in terms of listening is it's, if you're not listening to what people are saying about you, you're also not part of the conversation. You can't respond back if you're not listening. So it's very important that you listen not only in a crisis but just in general to knowing what's talking about your brand and, and getting what your brand perception is and if it's negative, trying to change that conversation and have an influence
0: on it. Very, very good points. And I want to bring Skulk into this conversation. Skulk, you talked to me about earning the right to sell or market by curating what you call a vibrant and engaged community. Now, I believe that what Arthur and Amber have been talking about is we're talking about a community, a community of people who care about your company or curious about your company, who are fans of your company or who are even saying something negative. But that's the big community. It's vibrant and engaged and you have to be too. So how does a company really invest in that community? social media structure or that this organism, perhaps, I should call it. Skulk, what are your thoughts?
4: Listening, as uh, I think Arthur mentioned earlier as well um, and Amber as well, listening is absolutely key. Not only listening to what they're saying, but also listening to what your community is interested in and then making sure that you stay one step ahead so that you constantly provide them with new insights and to the type of content and um, type of topics that they are interested in, it's okay to, to also tell people what, what is already out there, right? Because not mm-hmm. everybody has got the same level of access to all of the information all of the time. And especially, if you, um, like in our case uh, with SAP, our, our community is, is around the globe. So you can't expect somebody in Manila to have the same level of information as somebody in Minneapolis, for example. Um, but you you have to try and stay one step ahead and make sure that you bring the right content to them at the right time. And that by through that listening, you also get some ideas into of to where their interests shift. And in that way, you could also then give guidance back into the, into your company in terms of um, where product development should go, for example, um, or where potential areas of, of conflict or problems could arise because your community is moving in a particular direction. And you can see that from what they, what they're interested in, what they respond to, the type of things that they are posting. Um, so that listening aspect of it is absolutely critical.
0: Okay, I want to take this over into the question of... Content that's compelling, interesting, engaging to your community versus selling versus spamming. So let's open this up. Amber, I don't know if you want to jump in on this one quickly. Uh, We have about two minutes left in this segment. But I want to talk about what's that fine line? What would the Ritz-Carlton be saying, Amber, for example, on Twitter that wouldn't sound like, well, we've got great room rates tomorrow between 2 and 4 in the (laughs) afternoon. If you come with your master gold card and you have three cups of coffee in your hand, you don't have any children and you left your pets, in the limo, we'll be glad to give you a special <laughs> rate. How do, how do you do
1: that? How do you know what's content that people want to hear that's not blatant selling? Amber? I think uh, with the Ritz Carlton, for example, a great thing that they do on a regular basis is they really highlight moments and different venues in terms of the different hotels around the world. And uh, I wanted to talk about this a little bit: the rise of visual social media, social media, yes. the idea that um, it, it, the images are so important and they're so critical for really captivating people's attention. So I think even just you know tweeting a picture from a meal that they've cooked at one of their restaurants or one of the beaches that they have at one of their resorts, this is something they do. That's a great way to entice people to come there. And they're not even saying anything. They're really just showing something. Okay. Arthur, you agree with that visual strategy?
3: I agree with the visual strategy and also, you know, because they're a high-end hotel They are great at design, you know, they're great at location. So I think they can offer advice that's not necessarily in their realm of selling rooms, but it helps them change, you know, have a positive perception of the image of the company. So I think anything, I think communicating and and having conversations about their areas of expertise, whether it is about having rooms or, you know, what's the great things to do when you're on vacation and why is still great to be part of that conversation.
0: Very interesting. Skulk, you want to add anything if you were giving advice or complimenting the Ritz-Carlton on their social media strategy? What would you say? Good, bad? Is there something you'd like to see them do that would be even more engaging?
4: I think we we all expect the same or similar from hotels. You know, four four walls, a roof, a bed that is clean, hot <laughs> running water, et cetera. So where do they differentiate themselves? And I think even within the hotel setup, there's not a lot of differentiation. So where you could add value is a knowing and understanding where you fit in into your environment. So what is happening around you at that particular point? Could you get people to the hottest tickets um, at the local opera house if that is the type of audience that, you, that, you, that you're focusing on? Could you get mm-hmm. them into the latest nightclub in that environment? Um, but giving people that level of value add, they're not going to be spending 24 hours of their day in the hotel room. So what can, where can you add value to the time that they're not spending in the hotel room? And I think that that would be a bit of a differentiator.
0: Thank you very much, and you take us right up to the break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, and I do have three extraordinary game changers on my Social Media IQ panel. When we come back, we're going to kick off again with Amber Mack and talk about ROE versus ROI. We have to get down to the bottom line, kids. We have to talk about the business side, about conversion, about dollars coming in or whatever currency you're dealing in, and find out where is the payoff to all this wonderful thing called social media don't even think of touching that app that mass however you're listening we'll be right back brad out from the
2: boardroom to you voice america business network SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: And here we are. Je pense donc je suis. R-O-E versus R-O-I. That's a new one for me. It came from Amber Mack, who certainly knows her way around social media. She is, has a company called Connect Creative Digital Engagement. She launched it in 2007. And her impressive client list includes, whoa, Tony Robbins, Discovery Channel, Microsoft, Arthur, Canada Goose, American Dental Association, and GenuMark, I am impressed. Amber, so tell me just for a moment about Connect Creative Digital and then tell us what is
1: ROE versus ROI, please. Sure, Uh, so uh, Connect is a a small agency. We're very small, only six people. And basically what we do is we go in and we help companies figure out what their social media strategy is, what their digital marketing strategy is. We also do some website development and design and we work on campaigns. Our goal is not necessarily to have a client for two or three years. Really, we want to kind of get in and get out. (laughs) So we want to be able to train the employees and the staff to understand how to use social media and then they'll find someone internally to be able to manage that for them and then we go on to the next client. So it's been a ton of fun working in this space. It's always changing and always exciting.
0: Very exciting. So now talk to me. Let's get down to the bottom line, Amber. Everybody wants to know, oh great, I'm out there. We've got somebody tweeting and on Facebook and we've got 50,000 million gazillion followers and watchers and (laughs) listeners and tweeters and the party is raging on and we're having a great time. But somebody's going to count those beans sooner or later. You know it, I know it, Arthur knows it, Skulk knows it very well. So ROE versus ROI, we need a bottom line, we need a payoff. Talk to me, Amber. What's ROE? Why does it differ from ROI? And how do we get the money to come in?
1: Sure. Well, when I think we're talking about ROI, as most people know, your return on investment, it's easier Mm -hmm. to measure that when you have some type of social media campaign going on. Let's say you're a restaurant and you have a special and and you're able to measure how many people take advantage of that coupon that you're putting out through social media channels or wherever it might be. So perhaps in that case, with a specific campaign, you can measure more easily as far as the return on investment. When it comes to the day-to-day operations in social media, one thing I like to talk to clients about and when I speak at conferences is to talk about the idea of the return on engagement. This is really a day-to-day thing that's going on while you're managing your social media campaign, and that means that you're managing the engagement and you're you're analyzing that engagement that you have with your customers and potential customers. That just means those conversations that are going back and forth, you know, how many people have turned into brand ambassadors for you over time, those type of things that uh, you can't necessarily measure as far as having a dollar amount, but you can measure on the number of people who've become fans and the type and the quality of the conversation around your ongoing social media conversations.
0: Thank you, Amber. Arthur, I want you to weigh in on this. What do you think? How do you get the bucks out of the bang here?
3: I think what what Amber was saying in terms of ROE is is very critical, particularly in the space that I'm working in in regards to uh, partner recruitment and retention. Um, We have a lot of partners that sell products for various companies, including Microsoft. And it's very important to have a positive influence and for them to have a positive perception so that they pass on some of the messages around the new products we have, but also what we 're doing for them um, in the business space and the value of our of our partner program. so we you know we identify partners and new communicators all over the world in terms of potential influencers, and then we you know, we talk to them in conversations where they're talking at. And the part of the challenge is to also have them have those conversations on our websites and our properties and, you know, whether it's Twitter or Facebook. So I think it's very important in terms of the long-term investment of brand perception um, that you're reaching not only new influencers, but that the influencers that you have um, feel good about the company and want to continue to be able to be sort of whether it's a fan or it's just mm-hmm. a business partner. Um, it has a, a you know, a, an effect on your bottom line, and that's that's quite important. So we we work on that pretty much on a day-to-day basis.
0: How much, Arthur, how much can a company afford to experiment? Let me rephrase that question, Mm -hmm. if I may. The old question of which, which crossed, which came first, the chicken or the egg, or why did the chicken cross the road? The question really is, do you put a promotion out there via social media and see how it does, talking to Amber's point a moment ago, Mm -hmm. and see how it does and see what the reaction is and then take what you learn about it, good, bad, or ugly, back into your development, your R&D team, and tweak it or, or toss it away and start over again, Or do you go out and listen and talk about what you're thinking, what you're planning, what you're designing, gather intelligence from your social media community, engaging with them, as Sculk says, and then go to the drawing tables and say, wow, now we know what they really want. Let's design it. So chicken or egg, which one?
3: I, I actually think it's big. Um in, in my case it's less about putting out an offer there for the for the partners because they're already in business. They're already selling particular products and it's about having that conversation with them about the products that we'd like them to engage with or engage more. So it's it's about being in those conversations and creating awareness rather than is rather than it is, okay, here's an offer, try this and then you'll follow up. I think it's just a matter of them under helping them understand the value through participating in conversations with them that are taking place in the social media space.
0: Good point. Thank you. And I want to bring Skulk into this. Skulk, I want to talk to you about what you call analysis paralysis, an old term, been around longer than the chicken and egg joke, I'm sure. And you talk about you may be calculating ROI, but don't caught get caught up in the measurement analysis paralysis. How much analysis do we need to do to find out what the payoff is, Skulk?
4: <clears throat> well <laughs> we 're constantly changing. This is one of those things that are constantly changing so we We started off with almost no reporting and then we had too much reporting and we 're trying to find the the level in between and I think that what is becoming very clear is that you need to know what it is that you what you want to achieve and then you measure to that so on the one hand, there is awareness for example. Um, and for that, we we have on a particular um, KPIs, and we report accordingly. But then, on the other hand, there is also um, demand generation uh, related to campaigns. But each campaign in itself has got also different um, goals. So each one has to be individually individually measured as well. So to try and find one single measurement that will cover it all, we found is to. To be very difficult and very time consuming. Rather mm-hmm. focusing on particular tactics in a sense, um, and then measuring according to those tactics, to the goals that you set up for those tactics, that is far more productive because this means that each tactic can then be um, individually tweaked and the next, with the next tactic you have that much more information to tweak that one, etc. So it's a constantly evolving balance between doing it all and then that's all that you do is just measure and you don't get around to the curating and and building the Mm -hmm. community or to do nothing and then you have no way of knowing whether all the efforts that you're putting in is really of value.
0: Thank you, Skulk, and I want to go back into the team aspect of this. This is something Amber brought up. Amber, you said your company goes in, connect, and you go in and help companies figure out their digital social media strategy, and then they take it over, and I know you feel very, very strongly that you have to promote social media from the inside out. So how do you get your employees engaged in what you call a social media party? And, And I have a great quote from you. Amber says, if you can't get your employees to host a social media party, why would anyone else show up? I know, I know. So talk to me about that. How do you get that mindset, that passion for being part of it where people don't say, oh, that's so silly. I have so much else to do. Why do they expect me to tweet all day today? So how do you do it, Amber? What's the strategy?
1: Well, you know, I think you really need that buy-in from the top down. I have an example of a company I worked with about three years ago, and it was really interesting because what the CEO of the company did, he actually got us as the consultants to come in, and together we did this presentation to the entire team about why social media was so important to their marketing strategy over the next few years and and many other years to come. And I think it's a good idea to have that buy-in from the top down. I also had another experience working with a a large financial institution, and it was really interesting. I walked into this meeting, there maybe 12 people in the meeting and they were all excited about all of these different digital marketing campaigns that we were going to work on and launch together and then I had asked them I said well you know in the past uh, what YouTube videos that you've put out there because I was trying to get a sense of their video strategy mm-hmm. what YouTube videos have worked really well and then everybody kind of hung their heads down and, and eventually said to me well you know we can't actually access YouTube from within the organization uh, so Oops. here they are trying to push out social media and try to trying to have a really solid marketing campaign and literally even though they had thousands of employees, no one internally could even become a fan or follow along with the strategy overall. So I think you have to really look at what you're doing internally to bring those, those people together, and that can often help with the external view of your organization.
0: Very interesting, and I want you to tell me your example of Zappos in this. I know they come up very often in many of our shows, so what's the example, what's the takeaway and the soundbite that people can say, oh, Zappos again, what's so good about them? How are they an example of promoting social media from the inside out, Amber Mack?
1: Yeah, sure, you know, I can keep this one pretty quick, because I've always mentioned them as an example, and one thing I know mm-hmm. that they, they did years ago is they had a list of all of the individuals who were on Twitter within the organization on their website, so instead of having a, a team of, you know, just a couple couple of people who can answer questions and promote the company, they actually promoted Twitter handles for literally dozens and dozens of people who were Zappos employees who loved the brand. So they literally had an army of loyal ambassadors of people inside the organization who were out there putting a really fresh face forward and presenting the company in a positive way.
0: Very interesting. Arthur, do you have any examples? You want to drop any names for us, any case studies oh, to add to perfect. Amber's?
3: One of the things we do when we do our, our, we have an annual partner event every year. And, you know, social, of course, becomes very active at, at, at events and activities. But the challenge was you'd see a large uptick in terms of people talking on social about it, and then it would drop off for the rest of the year. What mm-hmm. One of the strategies we had was turning that website and turning social in general, into a continual round-the-year conversation. So taking the event itself, which drove a lot of conversations because we had partners coming in from all over the world, and turning mm-hmm. it into a community of folks that were talking across Microsoft, not just, you know, Microsoft people talking to them, but to each other about issues that they may have and just creating, a, you know, using that event to create a permanent community. So I think... That's also part of the social plan that people look at. When you talk about conversation, it's not about also just the company being the conversation, but the company mm-hmm. facilitating the conversation about uh, um, among potential influencers and customers.
0: Very interesting, and I have a feeling that gets us to the word curating, and that's something that comes up for Skulk, Phil, Yen, Skulk. You want to talk to me about your idea of who should be curating in this great new year of 2013? Who's the best person to curate a community?
4: <clears throat> oh um in a perfect world, I'd see that mm-hmm. there would be somebody who gives guidance and a very high level of strategy and and that can nudge people back back when they go a little bit too much off peace um, mm-hmm. but actually, every single employee should have the opportunity to be a curator in a company um channel um, My personal experience just have been like for those t- channels like our. SAP Cloud Solutions, Facebook channel, I've opened up to a number of people to, to bring their insights and their focus as curators into that channel. And all we do is we sign off every single post by our name so it's clear who's done so to make sure that it's not a faceless um, environment. And that mm-hmm. channel is, is very vibrant. Um, Because there is a diversity of of content and the diversity of thought in there. I think the risk of having just one single um, policeman style curator, Mm -hmm. you'd have a perfectly, um, a a channel that may look perfect from the curator's perspective, but it may not be that interesting from a community perspective. So I think the broader you could open it up, um, and of course you have to manage, you know, according to your own Um, company strategy, etc. but the broader you can open it up, the more diverse and the more interesting it would ultimately be, and that's what we want. We want an interesting environment so that people would want to come and talk with us and so that we eventually earn the right to be able to sell to them. But that is way down the line. No,
0: good, good. Good points. We're trying to get everybody to that mental level of social media IQ. I want to do a quick shout-out before we go to our final break. Hello and Happy New Year to Margot. Lovely Margot. loved your Nespresso story, Amber. She's a Nespresso <laughs> devotee, and she said she has her Nespresso going today, too, and her favorite is Descafinato Lungo. I learn to say that every week. I hope I'm saying it right. And a shout-out to Greg Chase at SAP as well. Thanks for tweeting. And, of course, to Craig Downing. Okay, when we come back, it's crystal ball time. We're going to be talking to my three guests, Amber Mac. Arthur Bailey, Skulk Yen, and we're going to be talking about how will our social media IQ for companies be measured in 2018? Will we make a lot of progress in terms of getting up to that Mensa stratosphere of strategy and of practicing and knowing what the heck we're doing and getting great bottom line out of it five years from today? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. Heading into our final break, we'll be back with Crystal Ball. You don't want to miss it. Brad out. Yes, I know the Christmas trees are coming down and the Hanukkah lights are shutting off and it's officially the end of the gift-giving season, but I have a gift for my listeners. Hey, your supply chain deserves real-time management, but can your business deliver? If you go to our page on the business channel or visit spr.ly forward slash game dash changers, I've got a free ebook for you. Click any banner and find out why big data is an opportunity in supply chain and how you can get started in the new year. And now it's time to go to our... Our crystal ball question, I'm going to ask my three guests in the order in which I introduce them, how will enterprises' social media IQ be measured five years from today? How much progress will we make in the next five years, or is that too far out to look? Amber
1: Mack, talk to me. Prediction? Prediction? All right. Okay, so I have uh, three quick things. One I wanted to mention Mm -hmm. is that uh, we've talked a lot about B2C, but I think there's going to be opportunities with social media in many other industries. B2B is one in particular that in 2013, I think that you'll see a lot of B2B organizations really diving into social media. Um, Also, the rise of visual social media, and I talked about this off the top of the show, the idea that people will be using images a lot more in their social media strategies to be able to communicate with people because we just know that so many people rely on images as for... uh, Way that they communicate in the social media space uh, also wanted to talk a little bit about uh, gamification so we've heard this term uh, over the past few years but I think it's uh, mm-hmm. a finally time for gamification to be uh, a pretty big trend when it comes to social media and maybe organizations figuring out a way where they can have some gaming element in the campaigns that they put out there because we know people of all ages absolutely love this
0: That's a very good point. Why not have some fun while you're doing business, right, Amber? Exactly. I think think having
1: fun is a really important thing to keep in mind.
0: That's right. You want people to smile before, during, and after the sale and for a long time to come. Let's move (laughs) to Arthur Bailey. What are your predictions, Arthur? What do you see in the crystal ball?
3: Well, I think that uh, social media platforms will, almost for enterprise customers, will become like Bloomberg terminals in terms of you'll be tracking where, you know, so, oh, wow, we're up five points today in the social media perception space. Um, I think for smaller companies, the platforms will have to evolve to pull in more commentary. So when you're posting, people are posting comments on sites like Yelp or TripAdvisor that they can instantly see where, where that's taking place. And sort of having a, some sort of tracking mechanism or tool, an app, an app that could be on, on a tablet, PC, or, or, you know, your phone device. So you can really track your brand in real time if you're a small business. But I think from the enterprise space, there'll definitely be more tracking. Um, as, as Coke said earlier, there'll be a lot more data, um, big data and, and big data coverage, but it will be pulling it together in a framework that is easy to consume and that um, people can react to much, much more quickly.
0: Thank you, Arthur. And let's turn to Skulk. Skulk Filian from SAP. What do you see in the crystal ball from your POV, your perspective, Skulk?
4: I see that companies are going to become a lot more open in the way that they engage through social. And with that openness, um, there will be a lot less control. Um, but at the same time, that will only happen could only happen if their responses will become faster. So the more people you allow to talk on behalf of the company, um, the bigger the chance, of course, is that things could go slightly out of whack, but that would be a very small percentage of the conversations. But then when they do, you need to be able to respond very fast, which you need to do in any case. And I think that what would be a precursor for that happening is, of course, good analytics and monitoring. Um, Mm -hmm. I really like Arthur's um, analogy after Bloomberg um, monitors as social media channels. And this, I think, would lead towards very tight-knit communities, and tight-knit communities would become sales tools in their own right. Um, So if you're going to be buying into, as a business-to-business business, Uh, company, if you're looking for a new solution, you're going to be looking at places where there are tight-knit communities, and then you'll see how they engage in that community with the the community amongst themselves, but also the vendor. And that will become very much part of the decision-making process. And I think that there's a couple of companies getting that right, um, and there will have to be a lot more being able to do so um, to be able to survive for another five years. I think it's going to become a real key criteria.
0: Thank you, Skulk, Amber, and Arthur. I have a bonus question because my guests are so efficient in their responses. We have a little time left over, so here's the bonus question. Skulk in particular mentioned faster responses. My question to Amber, Arthur, and Skulk is, is anybody on a social media team for a big company a small company, will anybody ever sleep again? If you have to respond faster, does that mean being vigilant, curating, listening, responding, taking action 24-7, 365 or three sixty. 66. Amber, will anybody ever
1: sleep again in terms of social media? What do you think? Uh, okay, well, I think it depends on uh, who you are, what your company is. If you're in the airline industry, I think perhaps you will never, ever sleep again when it comes to social media. You need to be online all of the time to uh, be able to respond to uh, customers. I think for other industries, though, I think uh, generally speaking, you know, 24 hours, 48 hours, depending on what it is, I think that is acceptable. But I, I do agree that it's getting faster and faster all the time, as it are people's expectations. Okay, and let's turn to Arthur Bailey. What do you
0: think, Arthur? Will anybody ever sleep again or do you need tag team? You need people say, okay, we're handing it over to the team in Australia. We're handing it over to the team in India. How do you do it?
3: Actually, I think Tag Team is a perfect good, uh, good example. I think companies like Elance that do um, allow people to hire contractors, that they will be doing a lot of business in terms of getting social media people to pick up when you go off from work, and you will be able to sort of track, you know, with the tools, you'll be able to track with algorithms, okay, this is a really negative perception, and, and I need to mm-hmm. jump in and wake up, or, you know, I think the, the team over in Asia can handle it, and the team in Europe, and then I'll pick it up when I get on in the morning. That's pretty much what I do with my day job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you. And Skulk, all the way from Switzerland today, Skulk, what do you think? Tag team or how do we do it? 24-7 or can anybody be sleeping on the job?
4: (laughs) I think it depends on the type of solution. Um, For many of the consumer brands, I think it will have to be 24 hours and you'll have to play tag teams. If you are, as Amber said, in the airline business, that's 24 hours. You'd have to have people around, uh, available on the clock. What I found is that people are totally okay in in our line of business. People are okay with the 24, even a 24 hour um, turnaround time. So there's the issue almost becomes more, we have to step back and also make time to do the other work and not only just sit there and monitoring the channels in a sense. So I think it depends very much on the, on the company. And the type of solution that you have, and also the type of community that you are building and what the expectations are.
0: Thank you. And I have a second bonus question. This is a 20-second answer, no more, no less. Amber Will there be a college degree or a graduate degree, perhaps at an MBA level, for being a social media expert, guru, um, top of the heap, uh, ROI specialist? What do you think? Will that be something that will become so ingrained that we'll need a degree in it that people will actually go to school for a year, two, three, or four to learn how to do it right? Yes? No? What do sure. you think?
1: I, I think yes, and I think particularly when you're talking about analytics. If that were something that was around when I was in college, that's what I would pursue because there's huge opportunities there. Thank you. Arthur, your 20 seconds of
0: fame. Go ahead.
3: I, I definitely think they will be in the U.S. because that's how universities make money. I think in, in other countries it'll be like the developer who's just smart enough to do it on his own.
0: <laughs> Thank you very much. And Skulk, what do you think? Will there be a degree?
4: I'd like to be a bit controversial and say I don't think they should be. I think social media should be taught as a part of every single degree going forward. You can't. You, we're going to reach a point where you can't divorce social media from every asp, any aspect of selling, of marketing, of doing business. So the running it separately doesn't make sense, but it should be integrated in everything that
0: we do. Thank you. Great points of view. I have a couple predictions of my own next Wednesday, January 9th. Is it really January already? Creating sustainable social impact through corporate volunteering. We have a great panel. Wednesday, January 16th, we'll be talking about risky business time for governance part two, revisiting an old topic. I have a shout-out to Malcolm Kimberlin, and thank you today also to Greg Chase for tweeting, and to Margot Heiligman, and to all of our guests, my very special guests, Amber Mack, Arthur Bay. Skulkville-Yoyen, and Phil Yen, I got it right, and I have a question, and the Business Channel team, I have a question for all of my listeners as you launch into a new year, and I think 2013 is going to be a lucky year, forget the one three at the end, a lucky year for social media, so my question is, what are you waiting for, go out and be a game changer today, I'm Bonnie D. Graham for SAP Game Changers Radio, we'll talk to you next week, bye-bye.